0: Hello and welcome to Shedcast, the official podcast of the Shedinburgh Fringe. I hope that wherever you are, this is finding you well and you're having a very lovely August, whatever that might look like for you. Up in Edinburgh, I am overjoyed to say there is some semblance of the Fringe going on. A scaled back version, but a version nonetheless. I salute everyone who is taking work to the Fringe this year. Modern day artistic warriors all... It takes a lot of courage and grit to get something to the fringe in normal times, let alone just now. If I was wearing a hat, I'd take it off. Last night in the shed, we had Mediocre White Male, co-written by Will Close and Joe Von Malakowski. It is a one-man play and it was performed by Will, one of the writers. I love it when you go to the theatre and see something that really gets you thinking and there are so many layers to this play that it has you thinking for a long time after it's finished. When it finished, there was a very obvious moment where we all took stock of what we had just watched. A collective breath, if you like. I really wasn't sure whether clapping was the correct response and I absolutely buzz off of that feeling in a theatre. Nothing beats sitting in a theatre and experiencing something for the first time with other people, strangers or friends. A real piece of brave storytelling. And I thank Will and Joe for having the courage to, to bring that story, to bring that character to the stage. I, I love a villain, but what about when the villain is a real person with a murky past? when they are not Ursula or Thanos, two of two of my um, all-time favourite villains, by the way, but someone who lives on the same street as me. What then? This play lives so perfectly in the grey area, so far away from black and white, right and wrong. We, as the audience, are are taken along for a ride, and in the end, we are left with so many questions and a bit of a kind of sick, sick feeling in your stomach. Now it's time for my guests of the day. It is well close, and Joe von Malakowski, and we are putting it together.
1: So we came up on the second, mm-hmm. was
2: it? From the very beginning of the festival. Yes, yeah.
1: Yeah, including those first couple of days where it was a real kind of ghost town. And at that point, no one really knew what this fringe was going to be like as well. So there was a sort of an, an emptiness on the street that no one quite knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, so we had tech I think on the third, and then we started on the fourth.
0: So was was that a kind of nervous energy around a lot of the performers. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think so. I think no one knew what they were walking into, really. We were, I mean, it was also quite a last-minute thing. So it, um, it, uh, yeah, we decided to come almost June, July was when we finally signed on the line. Almost, yeah. so uh, it was like So we've been propelled by a nervous energy the whole summer, really, yeah. I think.
0: I lived in Edinburgh during the first lockdown, mm-hmm. and I would... Obviously, you're so lucky in Edinburgh for going for walks, but I walked up onto the Royal Mile yeah. one day, and there was no one else on it. Wow! As far I was standing right in the middle, and I was like, "This is bizarre."
1: <laughs> that is mad, isn't it? It is. Yeah, strange. that like, that first period was really like striking for that. I remember I live in Camberwell in South London, and it's very very noisy. It's on a massive crossroad near the hospital. Actually, so there's always sirens. And during that first lockdown, I woke up and I could hear the birds singing on Camberwell Green, which I'd never heard and I've never heard since. It was just, it was that quiet. Mm -hmm. It was like in the middle of the city. It was striking.
0: Nature in London. Nature in
2: London. It was fleeting. (laughs) We don't want that.
0: (laughs) So you have been doing a run of Mediocre White Male. How long has it been going on for?
2: Um, A run is about two weeks Mm -hmm. and we are now approaching the very end of it. So we've got two performances left.
0: Okay, and how have audiences reacted? Uh,
1: well, I think, mm-hmm. and we've been we've been really pleased with how audiences have connected with the piece. It's um, I suppose it's a it's
2: it's a challenging piece of theatre. I would yeah. say. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's it's not it's not simple, and it, uh, hopefully it creates it's designed to create complex reactions mm-hmm. and complex emotions in in audiences, and to take them on a bit of a emotional journey over the course of the of the hour. And I think the feedback that we've had sort of resoundingly has reflected that people have responded to the journey. People have felt. Feelings, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, often conflicted feelings, and um, yeah, we've been we've been thrilled with how people have responded. Um, because you don't, you know, we've been working on this piece for for several years now, but this is the biggest uh, forum it's ever had. This festival, so we we didn't know how people would respond to it. You you, you write something, you d- you direct it, you you put it together, and you hope for the best. Um, mm. But it's still a little bit of a nerve wracking thing when you put it out there in front of the real real yeah, public. It is. I and think, especially
1: happy. when you're bringing a character to the stage who is vocalising some views which are really unpalatable, to say the least. You mm-hmm. know, they range from inappropriate to, you know, reprehensible. And it's uh, there's a hesitation there, you know, sharing that character.
0: And but he is a character, isn't yes. he? He's a person.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's actually something that's very, very interesting about it as an audience member, because I didn't know what. I was supposed to feel. At the end of it, I still don't. I'm, I'm going to obviously pick your brains mm-hmm. a little bit more about it. But he is a person. And I'm uh-huh, saying slightly repugnant things. But you do at times kind of maybe fall into kind of trying to understand them, which I think is what's really clever about it. He's saying kind of, he's saying the way he speaks. And it's the way it's... Um, the language is threaded through mm-hmm. it's not obvious, but you just pick up small things like the textbook mm-hmm. like the met you know there's lots of little things mm-hmm. through it
2: yeah yeah um. I think we were almost looking to try and explore the boundaries and limitations of empathy with the ca- mm-hmm. with this character um, we hoped that people wouldn't just hate him, although we knew that he was very hateable i don't think we hate him although we kind of do often <laughs> you know yes. so he's he's been a weird character to spend time with because you have to find the humanity you have to find empathy or else you're just writing a, a villain yes. and, and and that's not that interesting particularly not for an hour on stage you no. can't just have a villain you have to, it has to be believable and i think you have to try and you have to try and understand the ca- as writers you have to try and understand the character you're putting forward i think as an engaging piece of theatre you have to be able to understand why he does what he does, even if you find it repugnant, which mm-hmm. I think it is often repugnant.
1: Yes, um, but he's, he's inconvenient too in the, I think, particularly the last few years with various things across the board, we've got very, very polarized, whereby if you express a certain opinion or you voted a certain way or you've done a certain thing or you don't want to take something or have something or not have something, <laughs> Y- you are in the goodies and the baddies camp and mm-hmm. it's very very black and white and we were wanted to create a character who's just not that convenient you know who doesn't fall into that camp um and you and you have to explore where the gray is because if you just always shut everything down you never you never never engage with anybody
0: that's i've been thinking about that a lot recently mm. especially uh, because of social media, we've become so
1: mm-hmm.
0: right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's it. You're either right or you're wrong. There's nothing in between. No. A bit like vaccine mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I've kind of been trying recently, especially in the past year. I've been trying to stop because maybe when I was younger, especially, I was maybe more inclined to to think if you, your opinion's the right one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's not always necessarily true. And it's so interesting to watch that that you are exploring that grey area with someone. You used the word villain. Was were you more interested in going down the route of what we might call a villain and then exploring that? Was that a conscious decision?
2: Yeah, I think I think there there was an element to which we knew that the character would be ultimately unsympathetic. So how how what 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 I think one of the things Will is a very good-looking, very likable actor that has proven primarily Ryan done. Gosling. He, he's been, often people say he looks like Ryan Gosling. <laughs> I, I can't say I agree, yeah. but I'll I don't, cling I, on to it. <laughs> as I don't long see as it myself, but yeah. <laughs> no. Um, and he's uh, you know, and you've got a strong background in comedy, um, yes. and playing very likable, very sort of sincere, s- silly characters. Yes. And it was quite an interesting to write something together for Will's voice where we try and turn that likability and make it curdle make it sour mm-hmm. so he yes. comes across as a bit of a jack the lad and a bit of you know oh he's all right he puts his foot in it but he's all right and actually then to turn the dial and make that a far more unsettling experience i think those are the most interesting villains yeah
1: i agree there, were, there was certainly an aspect of that which was really a p- appealing to explore because having you know done various things over the years i have you know, been told that I'm quite like i I'm a likeable presence on stage. Well, I think we thought, well, if we could subvert that, you know, play against type, use it as a weapon, and then you sort of can engage with something in people and then you can pull at it, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. That was an interesting challenge.
0: And where did the idea come from?
1: Well, mm. it's been knocking around yeah. for yeah. a long time. I, I, I had a summer job at Warwick Castle when I was 18. And I was a ghost in the ghost tower. And so the setting had always been of interest to me because it's such a mad ecosystem you know there are people who work in those scare attractions for 20 years and then there were budding actors who were 18 and there were students who were just doing a DOS job for the summer it was a really weird ecosystem and the, and there were the jousters and the plague victims <laughs> and the victorian butlers who worked up in the big house and there was this strange hierarchy you know so it was a really interesting setting so it was always bumbling around in the background and then Several years ago, now we'd initially talked about using it as a almost a sitcom setting. Nothing had ever come of it beyond a two-page treatment. Another few years went by, and we just started emailing about reviving it in new shape as a one-man piece. Mm. And and I think
2: we both we're both originally from quite rural, quite sort of rural, but not necessarily bucolic communities, sort of small town, middle England, um, is where we both grew up separately and Mm -hmm. um, and I think there was just there was just something there was a there's there's been a sort of moment hasn't there where we've been looking at what sometimes patronizingly are called left-behind communities and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. And you've got the Tories now talking about leveling up and putting their emphasis outside of the cities and with things like brexit and the ongoing cultural wars it suddenly we sort of went oh wow if you can take this historical setting and this person that plays a historical character and then use that to explore some of the dividing, the themes that are dividing us as a country right now. Then maybe you know you've got you've got something quite clever. Mm. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But quite clever is probably a stretch, but you, you've yeah. got what we would call. It got gives you. Got. <laughs> got. It gives you the device to, yeah. to explore those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the oh, yeah. almost the la- last little piece was in this last year we went because he originally he was just playing a ghost, and then we went okay he's, he's going to be a st- he's going to be a talking statue that's the that's the last mm. bit you know with this with, with the new debate uh, which rages around statues and cancellation and stuff we thought ah that's the final piece and yeah that, and that came just before so Edinburgh
0: the guy was mm. a ghost so he, as he in the play, guy he was, was, he was dead he was
1: playing a ghost yeah he was playing a ghost he wasn't dead he was he playing a ghost he was, pl- yeah. right. he was in the scare attraction in a mm-hmm. room on his own um, and then over the course of the pandemic in the sort of latest revision of it we we realised that there was a really interesting conversation to tap into by making him a a statue. And then there was an interesting narrative which we could create around this fictional 17th century merchant Mm -hmm. who he's playing a version of, who the the play suggests built his empire on essentially the slave trade and and is now involved in a discussion about being cancelled himself, the historical figure, coupled with a character who in contemporary Uh, England feels thoroughly left behind and feels cancelled himself and is angry at that.
0: Well, it is a very... uh, I I think it's quite a bold move, Mm -hmm. especially in theatre where you're going Mm -hmm. to find... Maybe I'm making a general sweeping statement here, a lot left. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you are coming in as two white men Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. saying out maybe outrageous things, Mm -hmm. talking about cancel culture. And it's what do you want the audience to take from it that might be because i'm i'm i've just obviously i've just watched it so mm-hmm. i'm sitting here i'm still trying to process mm-hmm. what i have f- seen
2: i think th- i think the most important distinction is to sort of go that we wanted to put this character in front of an audience because we believe this character exists mm-hmm. and that this char- there are a lot of people that that share some of his views or his experiences and that we in, in say in the theater or the arts community can't necessarily just shy away from the fact that these people exist and you know and vote in large numbers and mm-hmm. create you know our one side of a debate that's raging. you know mine and will's personal politics don't you know aren't reflected by this character, but we wanted no, no. to put this character out there because we were interested in them and we don't necessarily think, that you they should just them. be put. You up, don't see them. Yeah, we don't see them. No, um. you don't and I think now as well
1: in light of you know what you were saying about Twitter and everything. It's so easy now to filter out those voices. Mm. You just don't have to you don't have to be exposed to them if you don't want to. You, yeah. you see it anyway, well, you don't follow it, or you block it, or you shut it down. So you never you're never in a room with that person, you know.
0: And actually it's kind of making the problem worse. Mm-hmm. I, I think agree. because yeah. a lot of people now, I watched that and there was moments where I felt very, like, really sorry mm-hmm. for him, you know, when he's talking about feeling lonely and not having any friends. You're thinking, God, that's, that's heartbreaking, but you've got this dichotomy where you're holding this, you know, this real empathy and sadness mm-hmm. for him and then also it's like Pandora's box, isn't it? It's like he opens that big box you're sitting on as well, he opens the box mm-hmm. and things are just coming out and then the age comes out and it's, it, it evolves over mm-hmm. time. And you're kind mm-hmm. of left with this like, hmm,
2: there's
0: like a kind of stillness that yeah. comes over you. And that's, yeah. ju- that's obviously, that's down to you too and, and brilliant writing. How did you two meet or create a team? for uh, this we met
2: um 13 years ago this august in our doing our first ever fringe show we were both students at the Happy university I'm of manchester, <laughs> manchester. Yeah, thank you years. it is our 13 um, years yeah. um, so we were both actors in a student play at edinburgh um when we were like 19 and uh came up for the summer thought we were going to be stars at the end of the festival um we were rudely <laughs> awakened to the realities of doing edinburgh but then i've yeah. been, been friends ever since um
0: what has been your favourite experience of Edinburgh? Uh, or it could be your worst one.
1: Oh, God. I mean, Edinburgh is such a mad roller coaster, isn't it? I mean, over the course of a, a fringe run, you have days where you feel like absolutely on top of the world, and then others where you just absolutely crash. And that, it's a funny
2: kind of roller coaster. I once did a show where I had to wear a parrot, a full parrot costume for a month long run. And we were in the Rowan caves, um, which was sort of literally damp, dripping. And this parrot costume got sodden and mouldy. And I had to put it on every day and do this disastrous two-man comedy Oof. show in this stinking uh, fancy dress <laughs> costume. And I, th- I think I got trench foot. I, I, I got some sort of lung infection. Um. It was. It was. It was. I never performed after that. I don't no. think it he retired. The, I retired. I, just, I retired from treading the boards.
1: I have to that. add, I was not involved in that no, production. That was just
0: me <laughs> <laughs> and you have both um you have both written this piece yes yes, yes it's yeah. co-written amazing mm-hmm. and what is your hopes for it for the going going forward you've just done two weeks mm-hmm. yes which has went well yes
1: yeah yeah we've and been really proud of it what's the I mean, what I does think the future hold
2: we'd like more people to see it i think mm-hmm. this is sort of the simplest answer so we you know we hoping to find a, a platform and a venue to mount a production that gets more people in, because I think it is a piece that gets people talking, I think we've we've received so many messages from people um, saying that they were affected by it and the ways in which they were affected by it which has been really nice and it's been moving yeah. to read Yeah, mm-hmm. very sincere um, and, th- and yeah. that's
1: that's been very powerful having done you know, so many things over the years, I don't think I've ever done a piece which has sparked such conversation mm-hmm. um so yeah more people to see it more, people more people to, to see it. About it i feel like we're only really we're really only just starting mm-hmm. on it i feel particularly as a performer i felt for the last probably four or five shows i'm starting to hit my straps a bit more with it now and uh there's a i just want to do it more i want to get it in front of more people and then work you know so i think try and try and get it on again maybe in london for a, a longer run um maybe back up here one day. Mm. I don't know. We'll have to see what they will see. I mean, holiday first. <laughs> holiday first. Have a
2: wee
0: break. Yeah. It definitely gets you thinking, because I mean, the way society works doesn't work for anyone, is the reality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you've got, you know, you're talking about the mediocre white male. We talk about white males in general, mm-hmm. but actually within that, there are so many groups. There's a hierarchy mm-hmm. within white males mm-hmm. as well. And actually, the way the world works is for rich, white males, whatever it's, and I, it doesn't work for anyone. The way mm-hmm. society, and I think that's what's so interesting about this character because yes, there are there's so many levels to the character going on in there. Take away the fact, the kind of central theme about the the, the relationship, the loneliness, and the, the drinking, and there's so much going on in there that you you do empathise. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes you look at society as a whole i think
2: yeah good well, i mean that's that's that's, a, really that's, good idea. that's one of the things that we were hoping people would take from it um because he doesn't he doesn't feel his white privilege <laughs> that would be a that would be, yeah. a that would be a that would be a concept that would anger him and that he wouldn't recognize and uh, um sometimes i think there's the academic concepts that are, are tr- feel very true uh, wh- when you when you move in those worlds and talk about that uh, and use that sort of language alienate other people and mm-hmm. alienate this character he wouldn't recognize he would seems imso- he sees himself as such a victim which is which is such an interesting thing uh-huh. because he's actually an aggressor he's actually mm-hmm. a predator but he doesn't recognize that mm-hmm. he sees no. himself as a victim and i think that's a you know you you hear that quite a lot at the moment people yeah. people talking about you know god being a white man in society it's so hard right now you know everything's against us and you go well, that, that's such a mad thing to say yes but they i think they believe it on some them. level yeah, yeah it's true exactly. for them
0: yeah. yeah and then we start getting aggressive more aggressive language coming out things yeah, yeah. talking about like white male privilege but there's no education for for people to go in and tell them what this means so they exactly, just think well, yeah. it's lack of education it's lack of funding yeah. it's, it's everything mm-hmm. and actually what you're getting is feels like the world's heating up and flooding and brexit's happening and all the lorries are like piling up (laughs) yeah and and everybody and then everybody's just getting more and more like right and wrong and and you're just saying Mm what's happening
2: me against you us against them Uh uh-huh there's a a real anger anger brewing i think which is a really i find it a really scary Um, concept mm -hmm. and a really scary idea and i think in the in this play just towards the end the, the character really taps into that vein of anger you Mm -hmm. see you see a bit of the charm drop and he becomes very angry and I think that's one of the things we wanted to show as well yes Um, it
1: it was nearly a draft where he was angrier sooner I think in the the, the incarnation it is now it's only really the final page or two where he really you know boils over Mm -hmm. whereas there was a draft where that happened with almost five six pages to go and it was unsustainable then because he's Irredeemable by that point, you know. Uh, if if you keep if you keep the audience going for fifteen minutes like that, it's like well you've lost them. They, yeah. you, you they can't shout at them you for that yeah. <laughs> They don't they don't want to be in the same room as <laughs> you. Yeah, exactly. So, I
0: did see an Edinburgh yeah. fringe show once. There, were, there was a lot of shouting, and it was in a very very small room. There was maybe mm-hmm. ten people. We had ju- one of those ones. We had me and my friend had just said right, let's just go and see anything. Mm-hmm.
1: That can go there wrong. We were. <laughs> yeah, That doesn't sound like a, a nice experience. No, stuck
0: in a really un- unfortunate room as well. And yeah. it was like, mm. but a very, very different calibre
1: of, of show. Yeah. It's amazing how long an hour can feel sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I was in something of the day and I was checking my watch. I was thinking, okay, well, it must be nearly done. I was like,
2: oh my God, am I 20 minutes in? <laughs> oh, no.
0: And you started writing this at the, before the pandemic?
2: Yes, yeah, probably about three years ago now.
0: So is th- this has been a kind of, what has been, what's been your kind of learning? What's, what, what have you learned the most over the past t- nearly two years? <laughs>
1: Ooh, wow. Um, I suppose there is an element of perseverance, which you, the pand- pandemic in the last year or two has really called into question in terms of do you really back the projects that you're currently sitting with because when the world hit pause there was plenty of time to stop and think okay well I guess we don't have to do that now we don't have to do this you had time I certainly had time to sit back and look at the things that I was committed to and the projects I was working on and then there are some that you really stand by and I think we really felt with this there was never really any hesitation about wanting to see this through Mm I think that's probably a really positive thing that came out of it it made us more resolved than ever you know and we uh, we had various experiences with it which is too long and complicated to go into but there was a sort of an, a third party who were suddenly involved and anyway the point is the point is we you know we were really keen to get it on one day and
2: do it ourselves yeah absolutely so yeah it was it was it's been good to persevere with it i think we've yeah. also learned and I think this is a really good thing. I think people should be less worried about that. That it's it's really okay to get a, a range of feedback. You know, mm-hmm. particularly if you're putting something forward, which don't, certainly doesn't try to be divisive. But I, I've tried to, we've tried to learn to not be scared of people's reactions to mm-hmm. this, and and to to listen to them and to respect them, but also to to back it if you if you if you. You know we believe in it, so we'll back it. And not everyone will have the same opinion about it, and that is okay. That's what good art should be. Art, bloody hell! What good fifty-five-minute fringe shows should be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's art. No, of course, of course, it's it's all all art. But no,
0: it's and that's yeah. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, and enjoy enjoy the rest of your two nights.
2: Two nights. Two nights. yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) Two more nights, and then back to. London. London?
1: Yeah, back to London on Tuesday. We're taking Monday as a, as a day off. <laughs> so a little day off before we go back south.
0: Ar- in Edinburgh. In Edinburgh. Lovely, well enjoy.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much.
0: What I found most interesting about mediocre white male was the fact that i feel I felt sorry for the character in the end not sorry in a. I c- I could empathise with the character I didn't feel sorry for the character I could empathise and that kind of sticks in my throat a bit it challenges me to look at someone whose views I do not agree with and accept them as a person warts and all with their own understanding and view of the world that has been shaped by their experience. And that is so interesting to me that we are challenged to listen to this story and listen to this character and hear and hear it all, and yet we still empathise. It's um, a really, really interesting piece. That's it for another episode of Shedcast, brought to you by Putting It Together. Cheerio, my friends.